in Jesus' holy name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. We're going to kind of wrap up our Holy Spirit series, and I encourage you to listen to them all online, as well as tonight. Um, But we're talking tonight about walking in the supernatural, specifically talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 uh, through 11. But the book of Acts reveals a church that was walking in the supernatural. Okay, let me give you some examples about these individuals that they really, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't so much about the event, while it was phenomenal, the fire and the wind, only, that only happened once. What began after that was not only a, a, an experience and outpouring of the creation of the church and love and fellowship and gifts uh, and serving one another, but also in the supernatural manifestations of God in normal believers' lives. And I believe it took fire and took hold in every church from then on until we meet a time where churches begin to persecute the gifts of the Spirit, no longer looking for the supernatural because we can't control it, we don't always understand it, and we don't know how to you know, fit it into our little boxes sometimes. But we look at this and we say, think about this. You know, Peter and John, right after this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John, they perceived that God wanted to heal a lame man at the city gate in Acts chapter 3, verse 3, and they do. They, they gaze, they fix their gaze on them, as, uh, as what uh, Luke wrote. And I believe in that moment they felt from the Holy Spirit, hey, this guy, we want, God wants to do something in his life, and they told him to get up and walk. Uh, you think about Peter. He saw through a vision uh, that God wanted to expand the Gospels to the Gentiles, and he saw this big vision about all these unclean animals and in that very, right after that, God, the Holy Spirit, it actually says that the Spirit of God told him there were some men downstairs that were going to take him somewhere. And so, I mean, that's just pretty cool. You know, you think, well, does God do things like that? Does God, is it going to be something big? No, hey, guess what? Go downstairs. There's somebody waiting at your door. I mean, that's that the Holy Spirit would tell you something like that. We don't always have this context for putting God in even the little things. So God told him to go downstairs, and there were guys coming to visit. Uh, Paul, the Bible says that Paul had a vision in the night seeing a Grecian man, and that he was calling him to go from Troas, or calling him to go from Asia over to Greece. And they, Paul says, he says, I perceive that this was the Lord. And so he saw this vision, this dream uh, at Troas, and they went over and they began to minister to God in a new context. Uh, we think about Paul later on in Acts chapter 16. Uh, this girl begins following Paul, and she's declaring, hey, these guys are declaring salvation. These guys are men of God, and day by day she's following them, proclaiming the truth of God. And yet, even though she was proclaiming God and confirming what they were saying, Paul says he perceived it was a demon, and he rebuked that spirit and called it out of that girl. So he had some discernment, some spiritual discernment. And all of these things... Uh, are evidence of the Spirit of God working in believers' lives. So our question today is, how do you and I hear the Spirit of God on a regular basis, and how do we respond in faith? Because I believe God wants to use you in the same ways He was using the church in the book of Acts. Uh, And I just have to believe that. I believe if it happened in the book of Acts, and Acts is the model for the church today, that that is what God wants to still see as normal behavior in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you with me today? All right, let's look at these, because Paul says to this church in Corinth, he's really 
teaching them doctrine, he wants to tell them about this spirit. Because if you know this story about Corinth, Corinth had gone a little crazy with this spirit so far that they were like the door greeters at the church were welcoming people speaking in tongues. It had gone a little bit too far uh, the other direction, okay? And Paul's wanting to bring some order to the church to help them understand what God's real purposes are in the supernatural. Okay, so... Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't, you, I don't want you to be unaware. So he said, I want you to know about this stuff. I want my churches to know about being used in the Spirit of God. Look at verse 4. And he says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, so it's one Holy Spirit, but there's a variety of gifts. And he says, There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. And he says, There's a variety of effects or works, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So it's all about God, it's all for God, it's all by God. It's not by man, not for us. It's all for Him and by Him. But he says, but to each one, somebody say each one. It didn't mean some, didn't mean a few, didn't mean the pastor. He says, each one, every single one of you, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effects of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and another interpretation of tongues. And, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. That God chooses at one right time and one right person how He wants to be using that individual in the Holy Spirit and the supernatural. And specifically, Paul's saying in the context of the church that God might use one person here and one person there, but it makes this beautiful mosaic, this beautiful picture of how He's completing His supernatural mission on earth. Let me tell you a few things about the spiritual gifts. There are four lists of spiritual gifts we see in Scripture. The first one is here. These are called the manifestational gifts, which are the outer working, the external power gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine in this chapter right here. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Uh, We see nine gifts, and they're all for the common good of the church. So we had word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're going to get into those in a moment. Romans 12 gives us some motivational gifts we're not going to have time to go into tonight, but these are the things that basically we believe are put in you at birth. There are things that God, I believe, uh, puts in a believer from the very beginning, things like leadership, or maybe you're just an encourager or a giver or a server. Some people are anointed with a teaching or ability or a prophetic ministry. I think those are things that are, are with you as a person. And then there's ministerial gifts in Ephesians 4. And we know those as apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, um, evangelist, a pastor, prophet, teacher. Uh, so those are the ministerial gifts, and God picks those to lead His church. And there's many others because uh, the combination at the end of Corinthians 12, verse 28, He begins to talk about gifts of administration and gifts of helps and, and different things like this. So there's all kinds of people that God has gifted, and Paul was not trying to put a limit on gifts. He just wants you to know something. Simply this, the Holy Spirit is a gift giver, and He wants you to be a gift receiver, and the Holy Spirit is the only one who accomplishes the growth of God's church, and it never has ever been by the efforts of man. It has always been by a man or woman who partners with the Spirit of God. That's when you begin to see great things for God's glory. Amen? Amen. So it's always been about Him and not about us. 
He chooses when, time, and place. I don't go out there and heal anybody. I don't preach, hopefully ever preach a message on my own. I don't, I don't go uh, give a word of knowledge or wisdom or prophecy or dream. All those things must happen by the Spirit, for the Spirit, and to the glory of Jesus Christ. That's the principles of the spiritual uh, gifts, okay? Uh, in my life, uh, I grew up a very shy, quiet, um, nerdy, uh, OCD kid, okay? And... I never knew that these things were possible for normal believers, and I've shared my testimony with you many times. Uh, but after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's this passion that bubbled up inside of me, and I had the opportunity to go to a conference one time where a pastor was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And what he did is he had us uh, pray that God would begin to use us in the gifts. And, and in that moment, it just clicked for me that there was more to this baptism experience than just tongues and, and that it wasn't just for pastors to prophesy or pastors to lay hands on people or evangelists or these mighty men of God, that God had really uh, designed this to be used for every member in His church. That He wanted every Christian should be able to cast out a demon. We should. We all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same Bible. We all have the same calling by God. Every Christian should have the power within them to cast out devils, to raise the dead, to see the blinded eyes open, to prophesy, to do all these things. This is for every single believer. Do you believe that? Okay, very good. So when I figure this out and that light bulb goes off in my head, uh, I was learning early on to how to hear the Spirit's voice. Uh, and I tell you this. Heath Harris is very imperfect. Heath Harris, in his life's record, has had more misses than marks. Uh, I remember more of my misses than I do the things that I've heard. I remember missing a girl one time, uh, and I, I think I've shared this before, but I was eager in the Lord, and I was on my way to school and college, and I remember praying, and I was, man, I was on fire for God. I'm praying an hour a day, reading my Bible. I'm volunteering in ministry, going on missions trips, and I get up to the top of the parking garage, and I hear God's voice very clearly. I'm learning to hear His voice and what that sounds like and how I understand, is this God, is this me? And I'm going through that whole growing process, which I still am today, by the way. And God says, would you pray for someone if you saw him crying on the street? And I said, yes, God, I would do that. Guess what happened when I got to the bottom of the parking garage and I was walking to class? There was a girl on a cell phone crying, and sure enough, good old Heath Harris just kept on walking. And I'm like, God, she's probably talking to her boyfriend. She's probably breaking up with somebody. And how awkward that would be. I'm a dude. She's a girl. I'm going to go up there, and she's going to be breaking up with her boyfriend, or her cat died or something. What am I going to say? And da 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 how appropriate that would be. And I'm just arguing with God the whole time, like, this is not a good idea. And so I get all the way to my class, which is about 300 yards away, and I hold the door, like, ugh. And so I turn around and go back, and she's gone. And, uh, you know, the Bible says we've entertained angels sometimes not knowing it, and that God is testing us in what we're going to do. Many, 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 many stories like that I could share with you all night how much I've missed the words of God that He's challenging me to do. Thank God that He's gracious. As I got more confident, more bold, I remember many times or several times that God would... I remember one time a young boy was in an altar... And, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's a learning process of hearing God's voice. I was praying for this young man, and, uh, and he was like over here leaning down, and I just began to pray, and all of a sudden words came out of my mouth. I had no idea where they came from, and I was praying about his father and his life and his childhood, and I don't have a clue what I was saying, to be honest. And, and all of it came out, and uh, he stood up later, and he was like, how did you know all that about my dad? And I said, 
dude, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I'm figuring this thing out. I guess God was praying for you, you know. Uh, and so we began learning how to hear God's voice. Um, I remember one time, again, I, I am nothing. I was praying for, I was just going behind people. I was a young person, and I was in leadership in a college ministry, and just going and praying for all my guys. I was over about eight or ten guys. I just laid my hand on one guy's back, and I just pray for him. And, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit moving. He turns around, he said, what did you just do? He, and he comes up to me after, he says, man, you didn't know this, but I had severe back pain tonight when I came in here. And right where you laid your hand, as soon as you laid your hand, man, a fire just came through my hand, and I have no more back pain right now. And I can't take any credit for that because I had no idea. That's the point of the Spirit. It's to do things that you otherwise would have no knowledge or ability or power to do so that Jesus Christ gets the glory. And so we've got to be a church that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're only doing it in our ability. And let me tell you, my ability often falls short. My knowledge always falls short. I think about, um, you know, these gifts, there's he- gifts of healing, gifts of discernment. I remember one time I was watching TV in ministry, and I had a, uh, my partner in ministry, one of my staff members, uh, I sat down to the TV, and for whatever reason, I don't even remember what I was watching or the day, I just remember that all of a sudden I knew this guy's mad at me. I had no reason to think that. Everything was cool. We just left work, and I get home. I'm watching the TV, and all of a sudden, I just have this horrible feeling like this guy is mad at me. So I can do nothing. I get up and go out of my house, and he, he was, uh, we lived next door uh, to them, and he was out there walking his dog, and I go to approach him, and he just began, I begin to say, hey, is something, something wrong with us? Because I had no idea. And he begins to say that he took something of offense that I did, and, man, we worked it out right there because had, God had something in store for us to do as a staff. And, and if I had not received that from the Spirit and that discernment, we could have gone on and things could have gone worse, or, but God begins to unite us together. I think about um, one young man uh, we were praying for, and we had a, this convention, and uh, I'm laying hands on, on some of these guys, and I go up to this guy, and I, and I know him because you know, he's from my church, and I don't, he's new, I don't know much about him, and I begin to pray for him, and I begin to see... Uh, in my mind's eye, I close my eyes and begin to pray. And again, I'm still learning how to hear God's voice, hear what he's saying. And I clearly see a little boy hiding behind a tall brick wall. And I don't know what it means. And I begin to pray for him, and, and I just begin to feel God's presence on him. And I just say, hey, let's just stop for a second. Does this mean anything to you? I feel like that you're like behind this brick wall, and I'm seeing like this little boy uh, that you like can't get closer to God? Does that mean anything to you? And he just began to express, express to me that he felt like he couldn't be loved by God, that God couldn't love him, that he was a distance from a wall because his dad never loved him. And he just began to go on about his father and his relationship, and he felt like he was walled off and closed off because that was his dad's relationship. And this, this 30-something-year-old guy just begins to break and to weep, and, man, the Holy Spirit comes over him, fills him up. But that would have never been possible... By just me. Do you understand? God, the Holy Spirit, desires to do supernatural things uh, in our churches. Uh, probably one of the coolest things that ever happened to me uh, I, that I can remember. I forget a lot. You can ask my wife. I rarely remember anything. Four years after I quit a uh, job, I was at sleep, and at 3 a.m. in the morning, God woke me up out of bed. And he put this guy's name on my heart. And all I could do was get up and pray for him like 3 a.m. 
a guy I hadn't seen in four years. I worked with him for, uh, you know, uh, on a, sh- a night shift and no relation, no connection to him at all. And so I begin to pray for this guy and I get up in the morning and God just so clearly keeps his name on my heart. He says, you got to call him, you got to call him. And so I don't have his number. I call the job where he works. I leave a message. I don't even know if he still works there. And finally, they get back with me. He texts me back. And I just have to explain to him via text, hey, I don't know if you know me. I worked with you four years ago, but God, you know, kind of woke me up in the middle of the night. I'm a little creeper. You know, I'm just trying to check in on you. You know, just try to find some way to connect. I don't even know what God wants out of this and if this is even God or not. Because how many people know sometimes pizza late at night or tuna fish or, you know, mixed with certain things creates a little weird stuff when you dream. All right. You watch that crazy show before you go to bed. You're about to dream it. All right. So anyway, he responds. I, I didn't know he would because last time I knew him, I had witnessed to him, but he wasn't uh, living for God. Well, anyway, he begins to tell me, um, thank me, you know, for checking on him. And he says, well, I've got this son who's in the town that you're in, and he's going to school there. Well, I just happened to be connected to the campus ministry there. I said, oh, yeah, really? And I said, well, you ought to, you know, I'm part of this campus ministry. You ought to bring him, bring him by, blah, blah, blah. The next day, his son shows up at the door of our campus ministry. Now, one, that never happens, right? The college student randomly comes to church on the off day during the office hours to show up to talk to somebody. Come to find out, this young man was down the street from me at my house, and I had gone to his door when we were going door-to-door prayer walk. I would have never known that was that guy's son from four years ago. That all led to me taking him out to dinner to begin to tell him, hey, I don't know what this is, but God woke me up in the middle of the night to call your dad from four years ago. You were down the street from me. We, we encountered one another, and that God is something for your life. Now, let me tell you something. That doesn't just happen by man putting on some good programs for church. God is needing His church to be operating in the supernatural, hearing His voice, responding to His Spirit, because only then are we going to be able to break down some walls that otherwise we'd have no power to do. If you're with me this morning, somebody say, this evening say amen. Amen. And I don't say any of that. I don't say that lightly. I don't share those things very often because of this reason. As I began to work in the supernatural and God began to move me in these ways, and I remember reading the verse, it said, you know, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says in verse 5, I, I, I wish all you spoke in tongues, but even more that you'd prophesy. And in verse 39, he says, I say that you would desire earnestly to prophesy. One Bible says covet to prophesy. So God, I'm like, God, you said desire this and go for this. And, and I began to uh, pray for dreams, and God was giving me dreams and, and interpretation of dreams for, for people even on my staff uh, and my ministries. And God was using us and all kinds of stuff. But then I went on a missions trip into Jamaica, and I was, got up very early before all the team members and, and Beth. We were, we were married at that time, and I went up to the, to the uh, open-air cafeteria, and I'm looking over all these mountains, and uh, God says so very clear to me, he says, Ephesians chapter 3, God rarely tells me very specific things like that. It's normally an impression. I open up Ephesians chapter 3, and he says, pray this over your life. And I begin to read it, and I begin to pray it. In Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. Everybody say power. Power through his spirit into your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and you be rooted and grounded in love, may be, able to, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to the fullness 
of God. There are two important things that happen in that passage. One, he says this, if you, that he prays that you'd have the Holy Spirit in your innermost being and that you would have the full power without measure of God, but also that you would comprehend the love. Holy Spirit spoke so very clear to me that day, more clear than he has in, in many times. He said, Heath, if you want to know my power, you've got to have my love. If you want to know my love, you got to have, or you want to know my power, you got to know my love. And I was taken back in that moment because this was a confirmation of a word of God from my pastor I had gotten before I got on the plane ride that he said, Heath, don't get too puffed up in your knowledge. God's got something he wants to talk to you about. Hello. So here I am, young man in ministry, still young, young man in ministry, trying to figure it all out, go and hear God's voice, do what he wants me to do. You know, there's these scriptures that we're reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Do you know that this is a sandwich chapter? I'm not talking about food. In a sandwich, there are two pieces of bread and some meat in the middle, hopefully. For my daughter, it's always peanut butter and jelly. We're going to stick with, you know, meat. For me, the meat is the most important part of that sandwich, right? I love the bread, but the meat's got to be there. Two pieces of bread, not really good for me, right? I'm not for the mayonnaise sandwiches and the mustard sandwiches. That's not up my alley. Got to have some meat in there. Right? In the beginning, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 14. You know what the middle of those two chapters is called? 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. Paul specifically wrote the love chapter sandwiched in the middle of the two spiritual gift chapters. That's revelation right there. That's an, an awareness. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, what does he say? He says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, know all mysteries and knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, surrender my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul was so concerned that we would understand the Holy Spirit gifts is not for the praise of men, it's for the praise of Christ. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is not to puff you up or build you up, it's to build Him up. And the Holy Spirit gifts must always be used in the mode, in the, in the heartbeat of love. It must be that I so desire to build up Christ's church. I so desire to see people exalt His name. It is not for my fame or my recognition or my pride or my building myself up, but it's to recognize I am impoverished and these are things I could not otherwise do without Him. And there are things that He is doing because He loves that person. And He wants that person to know that He has the power to help them in their situation. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the privileged one who gets the opportunity to share the good news. Amen? And so it's a desire to be helpful. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1-4, through 4, he says, Follow the way of love and desire earnestly spiritual gifts. That's what he says before he says, especially covet to prophesy or desire prophecy. He says, follow the way of love and desire the gifts. They cannot be separated. For so long, I think our churches, on, on one side of, I've preached a lot to non-Pentecostals in my time of talking about the Holy Spirit. And I know some very good Baptist people. I'm just going to pick on them. I know some very good Baptist people who have the best heart, but they are rejecting the power of the gifts of the Spirit. But they love people with a sacrificial love. And these are some of my favorite people. 
And on the other side, I know some great Pentecostal people who can speak on tongues at the drop of a hat, who can call down fire from heaven and preach repentance like nobody else and use the operation of the gifts, but they don't focus on love like those people do. And Paul was saying together, this is what we need. We need a church that loves the Lord, loves the lost, loves to be used by God, but also doesn't shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit in their life because it is pursuing the way of love and earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts. Peter even says this way, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It is by God's grace that I've ever heard his voice. It's by God's grace I've done anything of any reputation for him. Heath Harris, often I, I look back, I keep a journal of all the things that God's put me through, some great things, some not great things, and some things that's about my journal of being in ministry and the times and trials I've been through and the, the successes we've had. And I look back and I read that even before I got here today. You know what I thought? I thought Heath Harris is the same still, shy, backwards kid I've always been. I'm just further down the road now. You know, I still on the inside, sometimes when I get up to preach, I still feel like, holy cow, what am I doing up here? You know, because this is not me. I don't know if you know this or not. I can't speak publicly in front of people. I have a horrible anxiety problem. Uh, And I really do. I have fear and I have anxiety and I care what people think about me too much. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, we just say, God, to you be the glory. God, I can't do this, but you got to do it through me. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you about these gifts real quick. Let's look at this chapter because I really want to tell you about what each one kind of is. Uh, the first one, he says, let me give you, there's nine gifts here. Uh, so maybe you can kind of figure out what God's trying to do in your life. And you can kind of have some discernment about what it is. But let me tell you, don't put all these in a box, okay? Because they're not, nine is not the end sum and, and there's a broad definition for them. There's nine, set, there's nine gifts, three sets of three. Okay, are you ready? The first three... We call them the knowledge gifts. The first three is called the knowledge gifts. The first is word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is kind of like giving you a word for the future. One time my family was, uh, uh, my dad had stepped up in uh, ministry because our pastor had resigned to go to the mission field and dad had stepped up to fill that vacancy while they looked for another pastor. And to do that, you kind of put your target on your back, right, with the devil. And my pastor I was three hours away. My pastor comes up to me and he says, hey, Heath, uh, let's pray for your dad for a second because I really feel like, I know you told me he had to help step up at his church home. And uh, he said, well, uh, I really feel like your dad's going to go through a severe faith test. I said, okay, sure. You know, I'll take prayer for my family. So he prays for me. Well, I go home the next weekend or a couple weekends later and I find out that, man, my parents have been severely attacked uh, by their by church members, and that there was gossip and dissension and faction and name-calling, and all this stuff just exploded. Literally, the worst year in my parents' entire life happened that year. Uh, we lost friends and reputation and all this stuff, uh, all by gossip and hearsay, and it was an attack of the enemy. So when I told them, I said, oh my gosh, that all happened? I said, well, actually, you know, two weeks ago, my pastor told me that you were going to go through a faith test. And in that moment, you know how refreshing it was to hear that God in advance knew they were about to go through something. And that so encouraged them. And that is a word of wisdom. It encourages a person, maybe who's going to go through something. It's saying there's something coming up. And it's always confirmed by that person and by the Lord inside that person. All right? 
There's a word of knowledge. Um, word of knowledge would be like what I gave to that young man who was behind that wall, who had his father issues. Uh, it's a specific word, a revelation that deals with their past or, or present events. Uh, it's something that God gives and downloads you. Discerning of spirits. That would be like I, I recognize that my friend was mad at me, even though I had no reason to know that. A discernment would be uh, to know uh, there's been times even in our ministry here uh, at Sanctuary, we have to discern, is that a spirit of God or is that a spirit of the devil? Um, there were several times in our ministries, and, and I think one of, that's one of the most important uh, gifts for people who are in ministry is discernment. Uh, so that's the three knowledge gifts, and there's three power gifts. Uh, that is faith, healing, and miracles. So faith is like that instantaneous moment where you just have the faith to believe for something. Uh, it's, we all have faith, but there's moments in our life where faith just comes upon you to believe that God's going to see you through something or believe that this is possible because God's Word confirmed it. Uh, so that's a gift of faith. You've got healings, and we know what that one is. Uh, in that instantaneous moment, the power of God comes over you to believe and, and uh, believe for a healing. And I believe that it's not that we... I can pray for every sick person, but that doesn't mean the Spirit has told me to pray for every sick person, Right? I believe for healing, and God's will is healing. Does everybody always heal? No. Uh, the same way I believe that everybody's raised from the dead. It's always got to be, in, I'm not going to the funeral home as making a living on raising people from the dead, right? It's all got to be in His will. Same thing for healings. It's all under the curse of sin, and anytime God wants to demonstrate His love to that individual at that time, I'm here, Lord. I believe it's possible. I'm just waiting to receive it. That's what we believe about healings. Um, it's not about... Some people will say, well, you didn't confess it, or you didn't believe it, or you didn't have the faith. Mm. If the Holy Spirit says it, it's going to happen. If He didn't say it, you were wrong trying to do something you shouldn't have been doing the first time, okay? Wait for the Holy Spirit, because uh, we can't do anything. Miracles, that's, you know, all kinds of stuff. That's arms growing back and all kinds of things like that. Defy the natural laws, parting the Red Sea, walking on water, turning water into wine. That's miracles. Uh, Jesus is the miracle worker. That's all you need to know about that one. So three knowledge gifts, three power gifts, and then there's three vocal gifts. The first one is prophecy. Prophecy is not necessarily the foretelling of the future. Prophecy can be dreams and visions, which the Bible says God pours out in the last days. Prophecy can be uh, a thus saith the Lord moment, but we don't have to say it in King James. It can just be that I really feel like God um, wants to tell us as a church something or God wants to tell a person something. Many, many times, if God uses me in the gift of prophecy, you may never even know it. I just will sense, I'll say, you know, I think there's someone here today that's going through this or going through that, and, and sometimes that person identifies himself, and we'll go on. Uh, that's prophecy. Normally, it can be through preaching, it can be through praying, but it's normally this exhortation for the church. Sometimes prophecy can be correction. Uh, you know, there's different individuals in our church uh, here today that are used often in the gift of prophecy uh, to give a word of encouragement or even a word of, of correction. And so the Bible is clear about all that being done in an orderly manner. And in prophecy specifically, we always judge it. Our elders, our staff, the Bible tells us that we are to judge it. It should happen in one in order, no more than three in the middle of a corporate setting. Uh, and that we should, every person should always say, was that really from God? Does that line up with the Word of God? And do I feel the Holy Spirit confirming that in me? And let me tell you, I've had to shut some down before in, in, I, in my young years of ministry where we've had people that were prophesying about Snoopy. True story. So, you know, it happens. But it doesn't make me turn off the gifts and say, hey, we're not going to use it because there's a few crazies out there. They will take advantage of that. 
Okay, but we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just have to have the boldness and the power to say, sorry, thank you for your effort, <laughs> and uh, Snoopy will visit you later, you know, or something, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know, okay? Uh, <clears throat> so, not all believers are going to minister in all these things, but God gives as he wills. And then you've got, so that's prophecy, and then you've got tongues, interpretation of tongues. This is what Paul is meaning here. Tongues is where we, uh, tongues is the same thing as prophecy, but it's in a language that is not known by you, the speaker. And tongues comes out as the Spirit bubbles up within you and you feel like you have a word for the corporate body uh, for that day or for that moment. And a person will normally, uh, in the order and in the right moment, as the Spirit gives a sermon, normally between a song or before or after service, you know, when they're not disruptive, we give that order uh, in orderly. And that person speaks out in tongues, and we wait as a church for a person to interpret, that God would give an interpretation in English of that tongue. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't happen. There might be not a person there to interpret, or maybe uh, for whatever reason a person doesn't be obedient to give that interpretation. Uh, so the Bible says that, that person who gave the tongue should then pray for the interpretation, okay? Uh, and you'll see that here at Sanctuary. We do that uh, sometimes. Uh, and, and those of you who grew up in Pentecostal churches, that's not as weird for you. But for those of us who did not grow up in a Pentecostal church, that's kind of weird. A person stands up and speaks out an unknown language. And it does turn some people off. But the Bible says it's also a witness to the world that something supernatural is going on. And it actually makes them curious. Uh, the times I've had people ask me about my faith, most of them have been when I tell them, you know what, I'm Pentecostal. I believe that this stuff is still available today. And they're like, what? Let me tell me more about that. Actually, one time I was working at a bookstore, and I told somebody I was a Pentecostal, I believe in speaking in tongues, and they're like, just looked at me like this, and their, their eyes got real big, and they leaned in real quick, and they, you know what they said? They said, can you do it right now? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to do it right now. Um, they're curious. The world's curious. Uh, And then there's the interpretation of tongues, which we just said. And then the last one is not part of these nine, but I believe that every believer who's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit has the ability to pray in tongues on a daily, regular basis. Early on in my uh, walking with God, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't pray in tongues for like a year. Uh, And after I was challenged by one of my pastors to say, hey, if you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues is there. In Romans chapter Uh, 8 verse 26 it says likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered we take that to believe and to mean that i believe that when the holy when i'm praying in my prayer closet and i don't believe in praying in tongues oh you know in a microphone over people it's for my personal prayer language unless it's going to be interpreted i i pray in tongues to myself But I pray in tongues every day, throughout the day, at random times, uh, all the time. I'm praying in tongues. Under my breath, I'm just walking, I'm mowing my yard, I'm praying in tongues. Uh, Because the Bible says that the Spirit is searching God and searching me, and He's praying a perfect prayer according to the will of God. Sometimes when I do not know what to pray for, or I run out of English, or I don't have the right words to say about a situation, I just let the Holy Spirit begin to pray through me. And whatever I'm praying and feeling in my heart, sometimes you ever know that you have a feeling inside of you, you don't know how to ascribe it or talk about it or say it, because there's some things that are spiritual that we don't know, we don't have the words for. 
And the Holy Spirit begins to pray through us and to God. And it's this great exchange. And, and the Bible says that we are edified. Our body, our spirit man is built up as we begin to pray in tongues. So Paul says, pray in tongues often. Don't forbid it. Don't stop it. But if you're going to talk to someone in person, if you're going to explain something in the corporate audience, talk in English. Talk in your own language because it's better to say a few English words that's going to get somebody saved than a thousand words in tongue that's just going to benefit you. Amen? Amen. So uh, I believe in speaking in tongues. I encourage it. I, I pray if you have received the baptism of the Spirit, pray in tongues often. Pray without ceasing in tongues. And I think that's the way you pray without ceasing because... I don't have enough English. I don't have enough words or thoughts in my mind. Sometimes it's just so hard to think about something. You just begin to intercede with God, and the Holy Spirit communes with you. But one of the things about all this, and we're going to go in time of prayer real quick, is that I think about the question about why should I be baptized in the Spirit, and my only response is, why not? Why not? It's interesting, if you look back at the history of the early church and the church since then, that those churches where the Holy Spirit has been honored and He's given a place. Uh, They are strongly evangelistic and they do things that were otherwise impossible without the power of God. And I am not interested in building another social club, another religious tradition, another uh, Elks Lodge or a Mason's Lodge or another uh, traditional church that just gets through the motions and sings some things and goes home uh, and does their little checklist. We'd have some spiritual forces and heavenly places that we are up against. We have some sicknesses and some diseases that the doctors can't fix. We've got some people who are in bondage by drugs and alcohol and sex and rebellion and hatred. There are things that are hidden in people's lives, and unless the Spirit brings them out, there is not that brokenness and abandonment. Unless people know there is still a God, He is still on the throne, He is still in power, and He still moves in the supernatural because He is a spiritual being, and we are spiritual believers that the world is going to deny the church as just another fad, another tradition, another... uh, thing that people go to as a part of their life. It's going to be an extra. But I want to be a spiritual house for the Lord, a spiritual temple that sees God move in some mighty ways. How many people are with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Miss T and, and Stacy to come back, and uh, let's just have our worship team go ahead and come back tonight. And uh, we, want to, we want to just enter in the presence of God tonight before we leave this place and just have a good old-fashioned prayer meeting where God is just exalted and His Spirit comes in this place. But uh, I want to pray just for a moment, and you just pray with me. And let's just, here's what we're asking God to do tonight. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask God why not, and ask yourself why not, and ask God that you would uh, receive it. The Bible says He loves to give good gifts, especially the Holy Spirit, but you got to ask. You have not because you asked not. He loves to give it if you ask. And you just receive tonight the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to have anybody pray over you or lay hands on you. You can receive it right where you are and believe that. The other is for you and I uh, and believers who are here, uh, if maybe you received the Holy Spirit or you know, you know God's used you in those ways in the past, I'm asking God to use me more and more in the gifts of the Spirit. That's my prayer tonight. That's my prayer for us. God, if, if I can be used more, let me be used more. God, if, let me hear your voice. Lord, let me be obedient and not miss the mark. And God is going to put people in your path. I guarantee you, you pray this prayer tonight. God is going to put people in your path even this week. 
that is only going to be, you're only going to be able to get through to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I went to an altar call and I run up there to the front, not to be baptized in the Spirit, but I went up to the front to receive the gifts of the Spirit. I think they're there when you get salvation, but something about us saying, God, I'm not just going to stand still. God, I want to be used. Maybe it's all nine, and maybe it's more than that. It, whatever time he wants and however he wants, you say, God, I'm abandoned to you. Lord, I want to be walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's your prayer tonight. I'm going to ask you to come stand across the front. I'm going to have Miss Evelyn and myself uh, come and pray for you. I believe God's going to begin to use you in your life and your ministry. But here's what we're going to do tonight. Let's stand across this place. Worship team's going to sing. I want you to press in, press into God. Let's just have a good prayer meeting where we just press in. Pray for our churches. Pray for our Celebrate Recovery. Pray for all the things we have coming up. But if you want to be using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to come and just stand across the front. Yes. <clears throat> Bible says we lay on a hands of Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. Stir up the gifts within you that God had on you in the laying on the hands. So if you want to be, uh, say, hey, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. I want God to use me in the supernatural. I want to hear his voice. Would you come? Let's just stand across the front. We're seeing. Hallelujah, Lord God. Jesus.